The opinions expressed in the following program are provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as advice from CJAD 800 or Bell Media. The following is sponsored content. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Presented by FL Montreal, I'm Josh Miller. The voice you are not hearing tonight is Dan Delmar. He is off, a uh, little under the weather, so we hope he uh, gets well soon and comes back uh, at our next program. And uh, so tonight on the program, we have uh, another great entrepreneurial story. Uh, this is actually a, a couple and, a, and an entrepreneur and a business that actually is based out of Quebec, uh, based, excuse me, based out of Sherbrooke, a uh, little eastern of, uh, of Montreal. And uh, they're going to talk about uh, lots of different things. It's interfunction, uh, interfunction. Uh, and Sebastian will be here and he'll talk about acquisitions. He'll talk about human resources. He'll talk about valuations of companies, uh, lot. Lots of good things on the agenda, and and at the uh, towards in the latter uh, half of the show, we're going to welcome Micheline Mayette, HR specialist from FL Fuller Landau, and she will talk about uh, employee brand and experience and challenges for entrepreneurs and setting themselves apart in a, in this tight labor market. So lots of good things on the way. But in the beginning, what we're going to talk about, uh, we have a few articles that I've been reading in the last uh, little while, and uh, I wanted to kind of raise them here tonight. So one of the first thing I noticed is, is Premier Moisson. Everybody knows that lovely, delicious bakery. They unionized. They, uh, about 180 workers uh, in, their, in their bakery in Bay Durfe, they unionized on Friday. And it, it's not so much that the, the, the fact that they unionized. I guess my point there, my takeaway from this article was for entrepreneurs that don't yet have unions and that are afraid of getting unions, you might not always be able to avoid it, but be mindful. Be mindful that it's out there. We we are in Quebec. Uh, be mindful that, uh, you know, treat your employees. Be a little bit different. We're going to talk about that towards the end of the program. You know, just don't make it enticing for a union to come in. Again, not that you can always control it, and it's not necessarily uh, for every business. Just keep it in mind. It is out there, uh, and, and, and you should really just you know, try. I, I can't say, you know, I've dealt with some, some, some businesses that have had unions, some have had good experiences. Not everybody's had great experiences. So just be mindful out there and, and keep an eye on, on, on how you are treating your employees, what kind of work environment, what kind of pay, of course, that, that definitely comes into play. And just keep, be mindful of that because unions aren't always welcomed by all entrepreneurs. Here's an interesting article that I was reading in the financial post and yes it relates more to the tech side of business and entrepreneurs but it's really referring to an aspect called the kill zone uh, and or inside the kill zone and that's really when you're you're, you're a startup company and you're going against or there's all these big tech giants out there the Googles the Apples the Facebooks the Amazons and whether it's it, whether it's it's just an absolute minefield for startups, uh, you know, giants they crush the competition or they buy it, which might actually be good for entrepreneurs looking to sell. But there's this article really goes on to to talk about the the good and the bad of 
you know, being inside that kill zone, being in, being that, that startup, that tech startup, uh, or any startup for that matter, that really you could get crushed by the big, big businesses. The, the reality is, I mean, there's, and they, they cite a couple of examples, you know, Sonos that used to work very closely and collaborate with Google and Amazon and Google and Amazon gave their, gave their assistant and Alexa voice controls to Sonos. Well, then they started making their own and that, you know, that certainly didn't work well for, for Sonos and they eventually had to bring a, a lawsuit or, or write infringement. But there's there's a perfect example, and lots of people know Sonos and definitely the Alexa and uh, and voice voice assistant brand, and that is something that they just ultimately took over because they were so big and they were getting into that area, you know. Based on if Wikipedia is correct in this next statement, Facebook since it's since since it got its domain name in 2005 has made over 80 acquisitions. So this is something that the big guys, the tech giants, are really, really pushing. Now, again, it, there's there's so many startups out there. We see it all the time. Is it fair? Is it not? You could argue both sides. Competition Bureau kind of looks at it. Are they looking at it closely enough? Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, but but the reality is if you, you can build something, you can create a niche, it happens all the time. Uh, it, it goes on and the article just continues to go on and say, and of course, advise or mention that you don't necessarily build businesses to keep it forever ever either. Although some businesses and entrepreneurs feel like it's their baby and they definitely don't want to let it go. But many entrepreneurs, and I would say this should be actually a, a target for most entrepreneurs, you should look to eventually sell your business and not necessarily cling to it forever. So in the kill zone where you have your tech giants that are out there potentially buying everything might actually be not a bad thing uh, to happen. You know, and, and again, it's not like you're competing with Google. You're not going to go out and start a new search engine, but Google itself uh, might offer some great services that that could really help out the uh, the uh, the startup entrepreneur. So it's uh, it, it was a very interesting article. It was uh, it was, I believe, in uh, Friday's Financial Post. And, uh, and check it out. It was, it was, uh, it was a little bit of an eye opener, a little bit of a reminder, should I say that, uh, that tech startups, you know, they're, they're out there, uh, and any startups again, because, you know, think back to the, the, the days of Ford and Chevy and GM where, you know, would you ever go up against the, the, the big car makers, you know, eventually there were new models that came out. So, uh, there's always room and space for somebody. I went on to uh, to read uh, switch gears a little bit uh, onto an an, an Inc.com article that I, I read a couple of weeks ago, and it's entitled "50 Questions to Ask a Potential Startup Co-founder." And I think this this applies to any whether it's startup, whether it's business, whether you're whether you're buying or selling out partially to to uh, a potential partner. Uh, I th I think you really need to do your due diligence. Don't take things lightly. Make sure you figure out how they operate. Make sure you you establish what roles. You know, yes, I'm sure you'll step on each other's toes a little bit, or there'll be some overlap. But make sure what roles you do. Uh, it goes on to talk about. Uh, personal motivations and what impact you know does that person want to have it, you know investigate it's you know you're getting into you're getting into bed with somebody okay it might be for less fun than you would normally get into bed with somebody for but still you're you're really going to work out with them uh, day in day out how do they how do they work with their team what type of what type of management style do they have are they going to be compatible with yours or not 
what is the commitment to finances? Is it somebody coming in just as a financial partner or an idea partner, or they have a phenomenal contact network? Really, really just identify all these aspects of an individual. Again, you're, you're, you're dating them to eventually marry them, but when you become shareholders, you're going to be married. So never, ever, ever lose sight of that. We're going to bring on Sebastian in a moment uh, from from Interfunction and uh, and his great story. But in the meantime, I think the other thing that I wanted to mention briefly is I saw this article uh, in in Les Affaires, and it was really the article is called "Marcher un kilomètre dans les souliers des employés." So walk a kilometer in the shoes of your employees, and I mean it goes on to talk about a bunch of different details, but the premise is actually hugely important. It's one thing you started your business, you know eventually how it's how it's functioning at 35,000 foot level. You might have known how it worked when you first got into it and maybe you're lucky enough and knowledgeable enough to to really have been there in that, you know, in every single aspect, but if you haven't if you haven't really looked at all the different detail aspects of what what how your company is run and it's it's from the shop floor to marketing to customer service to the technology that's out there to how people how you buy because you know the old adage is you don't make your buy you don't make your money on your on your sales you make your money on your purchasing all these aspects spend some time with your people that are doing it day in day out learn from them and actually they can probably learn from you. So there's, uh, there's no question. It's uh, walk a mile in, uh, in the shoes of your employees, and I think you'll be better off, and some improvements can come a long way. Well, we're, we're going to come back with uh, Sébastien Fournier of Interfunction in just a moment. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people by F.L. Montreal. I'm Josh Miller. Dan Delmar is not with us tonight. He's a little under the weather, so we're wishing him well. And tonight we're going to welcome our guest, Sébastien Fournier. Uh, Interfunction, Interfunction. Welcome, Sebastian. Hello, Josh. And uh, the the very first question, the easiest question of the night, I hope it is anyways, what is Interfunction, Interfunction? Yeah, so Interfunction, we are a a custom aluminum frame door manufacturer, uh, interior door, interior product. So we specialize into, um, you know, really making everything custom. So there is no standard uh, so from uh, cabinet door to larger door, sliding door, pivot door, swinging door, fixed panel, uh, tambour door. So anything that is around aluminum, we specialize really in working the aluminum as and, well as glass. Oh, I'm sorry. And do you sell directly to the customer? You sell through? You sell wholesale? How, how does that work? All of that. So we have we do B two B B two C. We have a showroom here in Montreal at the Car Union mm-hmm. uh, on Decary. So um, any people who wants to come in, see the product, buy the product, they can. Uh, most of our customers um, sometimes have, they have their own designers, their own architects. So they will come with their designer, and we will help. You know, advising them on our product. 
and uh, making sure it, it fits with, with the rest. You know, we, we've had, uh, you mentioned Carré Union, and we've had a few guests on here from Carré Union. Uh, you know, Union Lighting, the namers were yep. on the show. Yep. Uh, Le Parry was yeah, on, yeah. The, on the program not too long ago. It's quite the, quite the, the center. How long have you been in that Carré Union section for, as, as a showroom? Actually, it came through an acquisition we made uh, two years, two years and a half ago. We bought uh, Sesame Door. So uh, we uh, had our own um, uh, brand that was Cadrium, doing uh, large uh, sliding doors and pivot door. Uh, Sesame was our only competitor we had in Quebec. And then uh, finally, the, the owners came to us, see if we wanted to acquire them. We didn't have any showroom at all. So for us, it was a strategic acquisition mm -hmm. to... Uh, Sesame, so we moved their production from La Chute to Sherbrooke. Our plant is in uh, Sherbrooke. So uh, so it's been, for us, it's been two years and a half that we are in that showroom, but Sesame, I've been there for seven years. Uh, were you looking to get a, so you're saying strategic, you were looking to find space in Montreal somewhere? Yes. Because Sherbrooke is, I guess you, your clientele is mostly Montreal? Exa exactly. So we, we were there, so that's why when this came to us, uh, we were going through uh, an expansion, uh, a new building in Sherbrooke, so we just like doubled the square feet. So our next step after was to look for, you know, the, the showroom and everything. And then during that same timing, that uh, opportunity uh, came to us. And uh, so we made within a month, we made two moves, moving our uh, factory of Sherbrooke to a new building. And three weeks after the Lachut uh, Sesame production to Sherbrooke. So it's been very challenging, but uh, for us, it was good because the other thing that Sesame was doing that we were not doing, they had their own installers. So we provide what we call the white glove service. Mm -hmm. So people coming to us, you know, they buy the large door, $1,500, $2,000, sometimes even up to $3,000, depending how you want your door. But you want somebody that will come take the measurement, uh, the delivery, the installation. So they don't want to touch anything they want us to do everything so for us sesame was already providing all that so it was a, a good addition to our team we're talking with sebastian fournier of interfunction sebastian you know yes sesame was an acquisition a couple of years ago but when did when did you acquire when did interfunction start for you you didn't you didn't start this company no that's that's a good point so the company is going to be 30 years uh, this year in uh, in june uh, the first 10 years, it was not even in the door business. It's only in 2000 that the previous owner started doing aluminum frame door, cabinet door. Uh, he got inspired by Europe. So he was the first in North America to uh, produce aluminum frame door. Uh, and then um, for us, the, the journey started five years and a half ago. Um, it's um, my, my wife has been a business consultant for uh, 15 years and uh, Interfunction was one of her customer and the previous owner, you know, had nobody to take on the business. And, you know, he, he was he was ready to retire. He was a little sick. So this opportunity came to us and my wife, uh, you know, uh, came to me and says, you know, we have this opportunity, uh, would like to jump in. I was uh, still working in IT um, here in Montreal. So this was really outside of your Absolutely. outside of your domain, shall yeah, we say. Yeah. And uh, so I was we were not ready to both jump into that opportunity. So my wife says, 
if, if we jump into this, I'm going to bring one of my son into the journey. So my stepson is and uh, Joanne, my stepson, Ian Tardy, and uh, my wife, Joanne Tuzignan, uh, have been with, with me since the beginning. And it's uh, it's radio you can't see, but his wife, Joanne, is sitting next to him, trying not to kick him as he speaks <laughs> and making sure he says all the right things. Um, but so so let's talk about that acquisition from it, that acquisition of Interfunction. Was it a smooth process? I know your wife had already known known them for a yeah. while, but talk a little bit about the acquisition process. Actually, it was pretty fast. You know, first discussion was like mid-February and uh, June 1st, we were taking over. Uh, an acquisition is never a smooth process, although, and even, you know, this Sesame acquisition was, I was even worse. You, you, you've lived through a few. I mean, you had the yep. initial one, you had Sesame. There was another small one, yeah, I think, that you had. Yeah, we did another small one uh, this summer. That, uh, it's, is there uh, a common theme? Like, what have you learned from acquisition to acquisition? You, you must have gotten better. I know that's smaller versus larger, but it, there must have been some improvement. Um. We always learn from each <laughs> each experience. Uh, By the twentieth one, you'll be you'll be masters. Yeah. And after every single one, we say never again. <laughs> but six months less than a year after, you always pump and want one more. So as it's it's challenging, but I, I guess the adrenaline experience and everything. So it's worth, you know, we had the significant growth over the last five years and it's through a combination of yes, growing the business, but a couple strategic acquisition. There's no question that as there, there's so many aspects involved in an acquisition, but price has got to be a major factor. Absolutely. Have you always, have, has that been, you know, a bit of an obstacle, a bit of a discussion point? What's been your thought or experience uh, with, without killing anybody on the other side? Yeah. What's, what's been your experience there well that the challenge in all acquisition is when when you want to sell your business you always think it's worth more than it's worth and when you acquire you know you want to pay you don't want to pay exactly you know what it's worth because you need to reinvest and want to make sure at some point to make some money so it's it's always where 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 do we find the right middle so it's but you know i think it's to be equipped with the right people uh around us, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's a negotiation, but it's also understanding the reality. So as much as they think it, the company worth that much, you know, when you put numbers, you, you bring a fiscalist on the table and you explain that then numbers, you know, talk, it's, it's reality. Did you ever have to walk away from the table just to be sure you walk back? Did you ever have to make a, a such a strong point? Um, no, but when it was, you know, we tried to stay firm on, on our position, not to lose the deal, but I think we we also wanted to be that mm -hmm. that to be fair, but not overpay because down the road we we need to make mm -hmm. sure because like when we acquire Interfunction, the guy his business was he had no debt at all. But for us, you know, it was a big investment and we knew we had a lot to reinvest, to grow and everything. So we had to take that into consideration. So you don't want to pay too much because you have more and more to. Thank you. We're talking with Sebastian Fournier of Interfunction. A little bit about acquisitions and coming up, we'll, we'll talk a little about human resource with Michelin Maillet and uh, getting talent. And uh, of course, a little bit of ERP and their experience there coming up. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Welcome back, everybody, to today's Entrepreneur Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People, presented by FL Montreal. I'm Josh Miller. The voice you're not hearing tonight is Dan Delmar. We're wishing him well. And we're coming back with Sébastien Fournier of uh, Interfunction. And we, you know, before we were talking about acquisitions, and you know, you left off talking about price, and sometimes there's a negotiation factor. There's, uh, there's no question about that. But also, there's strategy involved when you're looking at acquisitions, uh, and that's important. When you're when you're looking at acquisitions, do you also look at the technology side? Is that part of your strategy as well? Uh, absolutely, and uh, that's always you know any business and in any. Uh, area you know manufacturing but document banking whatever when you do acquisition the one of the biggest challenge that everybody is operating different systems uh different erp crm whatever name in it i've been i've worked uh, more than 20 years in it so i definitely know about that so for us one good thing about the sesame acquisition is that uh you know, at uh, Interfunction, Cadrium, most of our system was based on, uh, aside the accounting, the rest for quotes, uh, production, everything was based on Excel, which is when you're a small company, Excel is a good tool, but it's limited. So when you talk about grow, you, growth, you want to make sure you have the right tool in place to help you with the full process from quotations to uh, orders to production and everything it's deceiving isn't it? i mean excel is such a widely used tool yeah. and i won't say everybody but everybody knows how to use it maybe not pivot tables but everybody <laughs> knows how to use it and they think it's like god's gift to mankind and they're so afraid of erps that can do so much more uh, but you get trapped in this in this you know it's so easy to use in excel and why make a change because it could it could cost a, an arm and a leg and training and all that so you know for for you an erp uh, first of all, I mean, do you think there's there's even a, a the right custom like ERP off the shelf that you can just take and start? Absolutely not. <laughs> Again, for having, yeah, from your hist from your historical experience. Yeah, and that, that's funny because we've been approached by uh, uh, well, one specifically an ERP company that you know they they, they specialize. Uh, well, they, they've sold to a few companies in cabinet doors and doors and everything. So they they thought we were a really good fit for their tool and everything, but. There, there's no turnkey solution on the market so it's and not the blame to all the the, the software company it's 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 the effort that it's it's required to bring the tool at a certain level because the input has to come from the customers which is like us uh, so uh, so that's why i don't want to put all the blame on the, mm -hmm. <laughs> the software company it's, it, but th there's no turnkey solution absolutely but, but but it's also you know it's one thing if you're a company of a thousand people and you want to get going when you're how many people are you now 32 when you're 32 people and you're trying to institute a monster of a of a program and software it takes a lot of effort energy and training yep and absolutely that, yeah we are right this is our our biggest uh, project for this year so we we're done with acquisition for another year so this year let's focus on this ERP implementation um, and uh, you know we, we know it's effort but we, we're there you know uh, today we have customers calling you know can can you tell me where where are my doors when I'm gonna get the doors out we have to go walk into the factory and say look all around where mm -hmm. is that so so there's nothing automated no, it's, so. and at some point you grow to a point where like you say you need to be nimble yet your competition you know yep. you you need to always be ahead of your competition 
competition or at least on par with them and customer service if it helps your customer service yep. then happy customer is uh yeah. is one that you keep for life and can repeat business Absolutely. now it also we're talking about erp we're talking about it you know implementing it it takes a team around you to do that um, first, let's start with the team that nobody can hear from tonight, but is sitting next to you, your partners, your wife, your, your stepson. How is it working with family day in, day out? <laughs> she doesn't have a microphone in front no. of her, so you can say what you want. <laughs> she can't say anything. No. Uh, Although you might get it later. Uh, definitely, it's, uh, you, you, you know, when we are at work, we are partners and when we see each other on weekends, I mean, for the stepson, you mm -hmm. know, it's family. We try not to mix things. And, uh, you know, we have good respect because we, the three of us has really different strength. And we, we try to capitalize, although we have some similar strength, you know, I think the key is to... Uh, to, to, to make sure we, we use the best strength of each other. You each have separate roles. Like you each kind of do yes. different things within the company. Yeah. Do, you, do you meet formally to discuss as opposed to just over a glass of wine? Do you actually have formal meetings? Yes, absolutely. We try a minimum once a week. Uh, plus uh, just the three partners. Uh, then we have some production uh, meetings where we all talk. But even sales, I am in sales. I, I try to be part of that because it's what's coming down the pipe for coming orders and all that. So we have th those meetings. The other thing we have implemented about less less than a year, well, about a year ago, we have a, um, an external uh, committee. Um, a board of advisors. Board of advisors yes, of three other uh, uh, business uh, people in the Sherbrooke area. So for us, the fact we were family and partners, we needed to have external help to come and challenge us and make sure we we don't forget anything. And, you know, we... the, the you know, don't put us on you the right You find it track. very valuable. Their experience I, from outside, uh, a different a different eye on things. Yep. And the three of them have three, you know, three D different... Different backgrounds. Different backgrounds. So one uh, for more general management, another one sales, and the other one technical. So exactly as the three of us, the three partners. I think it's great. You 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 know what you don't know, and you involve other people. Absolutely. Just just before we ran out of time, I, I know we spoke about this off air, and I think it's really interesting uh, and we're going to get into a little more human resource topic in a moment, but talk about how you've dealt with your salaries and your transparency with the people uh, in your in your teams. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, you know, my my wife was business consultant before we made this acquisition, and Interfunction was one of her uh, customers. And one thing she put together and suggested to implement is a salary grid. Uh, but when we made the acquisition, we realized that this was not in place. And, uh, you know, when we looked at all the different salaries of for same job, similar jobs, you know, there was was not fair for anybody. So uh, this is one of the first things she focused on putting in place that salary grid to start having complained or people that the, the one that yells the most uh, is going to get the biggest salary. So, so for us, it's after that, it's, it's been fair and you know, they know where they are in the grid of one to 10. They know what, when they're going to get an increase. There is a CPI every year that we, we, we give as well. So, so it's fair. And we, we've looked in the Sherbrooke area, the average salaries, depending on what they do. So we, we always readjust. And even, you know, over the last two years, we even increased the grid because we, 
we, we want to retain our people and we want them to be happy. And yes, there are better salaries, but you know, uh, we offer Monday to Friday yeah. uh, daily. Uh, it, it, and it's and it's never just about the salary. And we're going to talk exactly. about that as we as soon as we come back. Thank you, Sebastian. Sebastian Fournier of Interfunction. And uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to Micheline Maillet also about it's a tough talent acquisition world. So what are the things that entrepreneurs are challenged with and what can they do? And of course, Sebastian is one piece of advice. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back, everybody, to today's Entrepreneur Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People presented by FL Montreal. This is Josh Miller, and uh, we're, we were talking before with Sebastian Fournier of Interfunction, and we'll have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up. But we welcome into studio Micheline Maillet, our human resource specialist. Welcome back, Micheline. Hi, Josh. And, uh, and, you know, this is a topic we can probably speak about every night and every time, but employee branding, employee experience, you know, there's such a... a a, a absolutely crazy talent war and tough tough hiring market mm -hmm. uh, so certainly you know the employers or the 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 entrepreneurs really have to try and make themselves a little bit different and to attract their next brand of people so when we're talking about employee branding and, and the experience what comes to mind as, as challenges for entrepreneurs I think uh, in a lot of entrepreneurial business they often don't take the time to actually identify what they're offering candidates so I think a lot of times they'll focus on salary and they'll feel like oh, our salaries are not that competitive, but there's still ways to identify what it is that, like what are the advantages of working for you and being able to put that out there. So like one thing I say often is companies will have websites. So I mean, every company has a website. I think we can pretty much agree that almost everybody has a website at this not point. Not always a good website, <laughs> but yes. Yes. <laughs> But it could be something small, like taking the time to have a career page on the website, which highlights, you know, what the main advantages are of working there. So even if it's not the salary, it could be the work schedule, it could be flexibility, it could be time off, it could be the values of the company um, that you want, you know, people who will be a good fit with. But I think that there's still an exercise to do of actually sitting down and identifying it. So really listing out the benefits that the employee would get if they if they were there. Exactly. The, the tangible ones and the intangible ones. Um, it could be something small like doing testimonials. So sometimes as an employer, it's hard sometimes when you've been in your own business for a long time. Um, but to actually go and interview some of your long-standing employees or new employees, like why do you like working here and having little testimonials. But I think you know, when people are looking for a job, the first thing people do is Google the company. They go to the website of the company. So I think right away to see that uh, the company cares about attracting people and what they're offering, I find, you know, is, is a good entryway. I'm pretty sure that they also go to their social media pages. If a company has social media pages to get a feel of, of who they are and what type of, of environment they go to, then social media also plays. Because that's what social media can put out and what your website puts out is not exactly the same thing. A hundred percent, yeah. So, I mean, it's basically all of your online, um, the way that you're portrayed as an employer online. Um, even you could look, like a lot of people will go to Glassdoor and stuff like that to go see, you know, what are the ratings? So if the company's ratings are not that good, then that can have a negative impact too. So, um, what about while, if you have a yeah. disgruntled old employee and it's mm -hmm. really not worth it? They have a, you have a crappy Glassdoor or a yeah. Google review, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause they just had a, 
they had a bad day or one bad experience, even though it doesn't represent the company. Mm-hmm. You have to really I watch out I think most people will know that if you go in and there's one or two bad reviews, I think most people know that it tends to be more disgruntled people. Um, if you're a company of 50 employees and you have 20 bad reviews on Glassdoor, then maybe it's not a good sign. So maybe you need to, you know, do some re-examining a little bit too. So yeah, Sebastian, you know, you mm. you know certainly you, you've grown. You're now 32 people. Uh, there's no question. It's probably not always the easiest to find. You started talking about sharing your salary grid. So other than that, you know, what do you do to help the keep that 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 family that friendly environment the the fun to work there? Uh, well, we're really, really close to the employees. You know, um, it, it's it's for us. It's making sure they are happy, and whoever is not happy, you know, it's they, they don't, you know, just just go and don't stay with us. But uh, I think most people are happy because uh, even in Sherbrooke, there is a challenge with finding resources mm-hmm. and everything. But so far, and well, touch woods, uh, you know, we've been lucky and fortunate because our own people are referring their own friends and everybody what do you do what do, do you have social events do you how, how do you how do they stay happy yeah we, just because you know working for you and your wife joanne and your son son and the stepson you know i'm sure that's great in and of itself but what are the other aspects that uh, that uh we have a social committee so yeah we try to organize activities we have an employee uh, party uh, every summer before the constructions week and uh, before Christmas uh, and even flex some... time does flex time work in a, in a factory uh, we we've tried it but not we tried to stick be- because it's been it was difficult to everybody to agree so no we do 730 to 4 so hours are good you know for those who have kids and, and all that so it's, it's important we we uh, there is last fall that um, we had a really big peak uh, of uh, orders and we put in place um, a, um, a night shift from 5 to 10, so only 20 hours. And it's been very easy to get people because a lot of people are were looking for a part-time job yeah, or a second, a job, second yeah. job because they needed more money, their kids mm-hmm. play hockey and all that. So we've, we've been really, you know... Uh, we really love this experience, and if we next step, if we have another growth, this is where we're going to go with the half night shift. Michelin, you know, mm-hmm. have, have you seen any any unique advantages, or maybe have you heard what are some of the some of the the things that future employees or existing employees what some of the things they really like to see? And almost a necessity these days? I find it really depends on on your value. So that's why I find it so important to put forward what it is that you're offering. And I find in entrepreneurial environments, it really is the flexibility. So um, the owners tend to know all of the employees. They know their lives. They know what matters to them. And that's really the ultimate benefit you can give somebody is a benefit that means something to them personally. Um, And that's not just a policy that's ruled out necessarily to everyone the same way. So that's what I find is really an advantage of entrepreneurial business. And how do you feel about transparency of salaries? Um, honestly, Tough I know yeah. it's a loaded question. I think if you have a great salary structure in place and you're, you feel comfortable and you can explain it to everybody, I think that's ultimately, I always say that you should be able to put your salary structure on the wall for everybody to see it and be able to explain it. So I think if you're actually able to do that, I think that's terrific. Uh, Sebastian, she agrees with you. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Michelin. Yeah, uh, I know welcome. it's a, it's a hot topic and mm. uh, and lots to explore. So thanks very much for yeah, that. You're welcome. And uh, as we approach the last moments of our show, as we do each week, we'll turn to Sebastian Fournier of Interfunction and ask you, Sebastian, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Um, 
it's it's never easy being an entrepreneur and uh you know it's especially when it's the same family as well so uh but uh, i think it's to have to, to have a good balance uh work uh but when you get home it's it's home it's not work anymore although sometimes it's difficult because we don't see <laughs> each other with the, family <laughs> but um no it's uh the adrenaline of being an entrepreneur you know every time as i i, I said it before um you know you do an acquisition you know right after that i said never again never again but then you get pumped again so you are an entrepreneur or you're not so it's not for everybody uh but you know we made the decision to jump into that you know five years ago after good careers on uh, good careers on uh each side of of us but uh, you know so extremely happy with the move and no regrets we would never go, go back thank you very much sebastian uh, i think for me my one of my takeaways is coming back to the acquisitions is it's sometimes easier to grow and find your right strategy move by acquiring somebody versus doing it organically and doing it yourself. So not always easy to identify, but but that that's my little takeaway from that. So thank you very much, Sebastien, you, for Josh. joining us. Merci beaucoup. Thank you, Michelin, thank uh, you. for joining us. Uh, we are off for the next couple of weeks. We'll be back on Monday, March 9th uh, at 7 p.m. with uh, a 3D software company called Prévu 3D. So thank you very much to everybody, and uh, thank you for listening. Check out our almost 250 shows uh, on, of Inspiring Entrepreneur Profiles and over a decade worth of that on todaysentrepreneur.org. Have a great night, everybody.